Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FortiGuard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast. My name is Jonas, and today I have my good friend, fellow researcher, Amar Lakani with me. Amar, how are you doing? I am wonderful. You forgot to add a local superhero and, uh, you know, your, your, your personal superhero, actually. I mean, if I would tell all the titles I have in mind for you, this podcast would go over one hour, so uh, I try to keep it short as normal. Yeah, and it might not be family-friendly if you uh, name all the titles for me that you have in your mind. Yeah, indeed. And uh, talking about uh, sensitive topics, not family-friendly, I mean, what we talk about today are threat actors, and some of the language they use are is definitely not family-friendly. But there were some very interesting takes when we look uh, back over the last couple of weeks. And today I would like to talk about two different threat actors. The first one is the Conti Group, also known as the King of Ransomware, probably the one which um, made the most money in the last couple of years, also called a cybercrime unicorn, because we talk about billions. And then the other threat group, which made a lot of noise in the last week, was Lapsus, or also called Lapsus. And I think it's interesting to look at these two groups, because both of them are super successful from what we have seen, but they follow different strategies, even though they're both financially motivated. What, um, let's start with Conti because it has been a little bit longer uh, than Lapsus. Um, can you quickly summarize, Amar, what, what happened there and how you, what's your view on this specific threat actor? Well, Conti is well known because, first of all, they're a, they're a Russian-based threat actor, at least allegedly they're a Russian-based threat actor. Um, they are supposedly not tied to uh, a state-sponsored attack, so they're not, you know, they're not the government of Russia, but they are uh, really big, uh, they're really well known, and uh, recently we got a little bit of their insight because they're, uh, you know, kind of, uh, they had, had massive, a massive data leak, uh, including a lot of their emails, including a lot of their tools, just uh, including a lot of their playbooks were uh, just leaked. Now, granted, you had to like uh, translate everything from Russian and most people were using Google Translate. So um, I'm sure something got lost in translation. But uh, at the same time, we got a really good insight of, of uh, you know, what, uh, what Conti does, how they operate. And interesting, probably a lot of people that uh, just are kind of upset at what's going on globally and politically uh, in the world right now probably targeted this uh, Russian threat actor and uh, wanted to, uh, you know, hack their, uh, you know, hack the group. There's even rumors that it may have uh, can't come from some internal people at Conti as well, because it's first of all, it's a very, very large group. Yeah, and talking about large group, they look like a corporation to me. I mean, when you looked at the org charts, which we were able to put together from the internal communication channels, they have CEOs or like a big boss, at least. They have people working in HR, people doing some training, so skill development for their employees. And then you have QA people, you have researchers, you have zero-day developers, you have people who are active on zero-day markets to figure out whether it's worth it to buy a certain zero-day or not. Then you have people who are monitoring internal vulnerabilities inside corporations, focusing on pen testing. So it looks like normal company from the outside, but the biggest difference is they really have malicious intentions, but they seem rather professional from what we have seen so far. 
yeah, when you look at some of these positions, they um, they kind of remind me of what we would see in a very professional threat, um, you know, threat intelligence organization. Some of these uh, some of these skills are, you know, what uh, people, you know, what we look for at Fortinet, what we look for at like a lot of other uh, a lot of other, uh, you know, high end threat security companies. These are like the type of skills that you're looking for to combat stuff. Obviously, they're looking into, uh, you know, weaponize it and use it for evil purposes. Yeah, and when it comes to their techniques, tactics, and procedures, I think they are monitoring pretty closely what's happening on the internet. And of course, they're collaborating with other really big groups. We have seen them working with the other successful malware groups out there. And it looks like because they are very well funded, they also have a lot of really um, really powerful malware to, to get access to certain environments. And they are not really focusing on the social engineering part. From what I've seen, it was mainly about the, finding the vulnerabilities, finding the exploits which are working for them. And some of them which stood, stood out for me was when it come, came to initial access, it was definitely RDP. It was phishing attacks, but it was also all the vulnerabilities which we have seen over the last one or two years, which they have been abusing heavily. And especially when we talk about abusing the vulnerabilities for privilege escalation, one of their techniques, which is still super successful for them, according to their playbooks, is something from 2017, the eternal blue vulnerability, which was discovered during the WannaCry period. So they seem to be all over the place. They use new vulnerabilities, old vulnerabilities, whatever is used, whatever is helpful for them and uh, they're super successful with it. Yeah, so I think the thing that stood out is that they're a technical group. They're using code to basically attack and exploit. So, um, you know, they're, uh, and whether that code, um, you know, uh, they, they appear to have some um, newer things. They appear to have even sold some uh, newer like zero day exploits, but, um, you know, they use what works. So, uh, uh, you know, they don't want to burn. Uh, they're pretty careful. Essentially, they don't want to burn their attacks because they know security companies are going to be looking at their attacks. And if uh, they have an older attack that just works, I mean, if you have an attack from 2017 that works, why not use it instead of risking burning uh, something new that you've loved and uh, that you may be able to use for a more valuable target? So I saw that was uh, really, really interesting. Definitely. And then on the other hand, we have another threat actor, which is also super successful, but follows a little bit a different strategy and seems a little bit more wild on the surface because uh, you and myself, we got into their Telegram channels rather early. I remember that and we're following what they're doing. There have been other people, probably researchers, probably people from law enforcement, people just for fun. And we're asking them questions about how they are so successful these days because they seem to rely heavily on social engineering. And this group seems to be a little bit less professional in a way that um, the average age, apparently from what we have read in the news recently after at after some arrests from law enforcement, they seem to be minors, at least to a certain degree. And nevertheless, they were super successful, uh, which shows that if you have a certain motivation and a certain skill set, no matter what age, you can disrupt um, or you get access to a lot of different environments these days. But when we look at their strategies, it was mainly focused on social engineering instead of using the big vulnerabilities or buying like zero days and using them to get access to environments. Yeah, so uh, first of all, uh, Lapsus, or uh, I think that's how you say it, uh, uh, social engineering group. They're not really interested in uh, hitting you with ransomware like Conti is. That's like the big thing that Conti does is hit you with ransomware. Uh, Lapsus 
basically says we'll destroy your data unless you uh, give us money. Like, like we're running in your systems. We can hit the button right now, destroy your data, give us money. And if you don't, um, basically um, our wiper, that, that's the type of malware we call it as a wiper, uh, it basically, um, you know, destroys your data, you know, as simple as that. That's all they care about. Uh, as you said, um, a few uh, arrests were made, like in the UK, just in the last, uh, you know, <laughs> short time in, in, in this very short time. Uh, and we've seen other uh, kind of rumors uh, as well that these are probably minors or or kids or, um, you, you know, I've seen ages allegedly from 13 years old to 17 years old. Um, their, um, you know, their Bitcoin wallets are estimated to be anywhere between 15 to 17 million minimum, at least the ones we found. So uh, they're making good money, man. And they're, uh, you know, I guess, I guess they're starting the game pretty early. Uh, so it's kind of scary. And as you said, they've been really good at social engineering. They've had a lot of social engineering tricks from brute force to annoying you to basically just fooling you into clicking on a button or a link. Uh, they attack platforms such as two-factor authentication on phones. They've done emails. They've done, uh, you know, mobile uh, mobile apps, uh, pretty much IoT devices, everything across the board. But they're very, very good at social engineering. They understand the social channels. You know, that may have something to do with, I don't know, I'm just guessing uh, a little bit of, uh, you, you know, uh, their their age as well, kind of under, having a good understanding of that. But they, they understand what, what's motivating people and getting them to trick them into giving access. Uh, and, uh, and that's the scary part is sometimes you don't have to be like Conti and have the most sophisticated development. You can just have someone give you access. Yeah, they allegedly, or at least from some screenshot from what we have seen, they pay you a decent amount of money like 20k a week and if you work inside a corporation which they are interested in they give you certain tasks to do and um, it's a lot of money we are talking about and because they were successful in the past it's a little bit the story of you don't know what you fund sometimes and in this case these guys even though at a super young age make a decent amount of money with these attacks and the more money they have the more money they can spend then for even a bigger return of investment so it's like this never-ending loop which is why we believe whenever you have to make a decision whether you pay or not is something which you should consider because the more money you give a certain threat actor the more powerful they get and this is a, another prime example if they can throw away 20k for certain individuals just to give them access to their environments it um it makes life much easier for them because they don't need to hack into an environment itself they can already start from inside a network and as we all know it makes life much easier yeah one of the things you pointed out is they have been offering money to people to give them access to so if you're already working at company uh abc right i'm just making that up no uh, then hopefully there's not a company called ABC, right? There, but, but, uh, there probably is. But but if you're working for a company, ABC, they'll, they'll say like, hey, you know what? If you give us access, we'll give you, you know, how much money, you know, up to $20,000 a week. Uh, that's a really interesting tactic. We don't know of any evidence, at least me personally, I, I haven't seen any evidence of anyone taking them up on that offer. If they did, I'm sure the person's not advertising like, hey, I gave you access, uh, you know, access to my my organization. People are normally not doing that. But like I said, we haven't, haven't seen that. Not even from an incident response or just what's out there but you know they're not the first group to offer that there certainly won't be the last group and they're having groups that supposedly have been successful and kind of you know offering that bribe right so um it's a, it's an interesting take but they're all about like the 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 human operating system weakness yeah and i think even though it seems a little bit chaotic sometimes i 
strongly believe these guys are super smart and maybe they have some other techniques which they are using, but they just want to cover it up with making a lot of noise about the different topics. So we can never exclude this possibility as well. But just looking at these two different threat actors, completely different strategy, seem to be completely differently organized, but both super successful. And I think that's uh, one of the key takeaways from today that if people are skilled technically and have a certain motivation to go after whatever they want to achieve, they will usually find a way. So not only it needs different kind of security layers depending on the threat actor strategy, but also there's almost always a certain way into inside a corporate network. So we need different kind of layers inside this network as well to make sure the lateral movement part is not possible or our data is not somewhere where it can be found and destroyed without us having uh, backups. And it's always about this prevention part, which we point out quite heavily, but I do believe the detection part is equally important because just when we look at lapses, for example, where a lot of data exfiltration is going on because they're not encrypting your systems, but they're stealing your data in advance so they can sell it or not even just provide it for free on the internet. If there's a lot of, let's say, gigabits or terabytes of data being exfiltrated to a certain IP address, which you usually don't do business with, this should definitely raise some red flags and can help to stop these kind of interactions be- before they are actually successful. Yep, absolutely. I, I see you pointed out perfectly, and uh, we're always on the lookout for these type of attacks. Omar, it was great to have you to talk about these threat actors. And as we know, the the internet is super wild. We have no idea who's showing up next, but um, we definitely keep you guys posted and keep monitoring the threat actors out there. And I'm looking forward to have you soon again on the podcast, my friend. Hey, can't wait, man. Thank you again. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining in. And we hear you next time.